Two roads diverged in a wood and 200 gravel riders in Pennsylvania took the one less traveled by. And this damn COVID made all the difference. On the podcast today, we relive the 2020 riding of Unpaved, a 120-mile gravel race through the Susquehanna River Valley in Pennsylvania, as told by its race director, Dave Pryor, and Kelly Catali, its female race winner. Dave walks us through the myriad steps taken to trim a normally 1,500-person race field down to the state-mandated 200 riders as Kelly clings to one of the few races on her calendar that wasn't canceled in 2020. So if you're ready for the show, crank it up and let's go. Welcome to the Athlinks Podcast. I'm your host, Troy Bousseau, coming to you from the Colorado foothills of the Rocky Mountains. It's November 18th, 2020, and this is episode 10. Dave and Kelly, hello. How are you both? Fantastic. We're great. How are you? I'm doing very, 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 very well yeah. today. Appreciate it. Um, thanks for coming on the show today. We have Dave Pryor and Kelly Catale. Um, Dave is the race director of Unpaved, a super um, kick-ass uh, gravel race in. Uh, I'm going to try this Sus- Susquehanna River Valley. Um, in Pennsylvania. Yeah, very good. And then we have um, Kelly Catale, who was the uh, female winner of the race. So I wanted to have you both on, kind of talk about, you guys took some um, some interesting steps to stay COVID compliant, as they say, put on a 200-person, 120-mile uh, gravel race in Pennsylvania. And so I thought we'd, we'd sit down, have a little chat, talk about how it went, Sounds how good. it didn't go, yeah. all that good stuff. Sounds good. Yep. Good. So thanks for joining me. So you decide in um, early, uh, so you had another race scheduled for April that I think um, I read that you guys had to cancel. Mm-hmm. And then is that, is that, was that accurate? So that was yeah. kind of at the beginning of, we, we weren't quite sure what we were up against and all that good stuff. Right. Um, yeah, that was um, Monkey Night Bite. It's a charity ride that we put on for the Dream Come True Foundation, which is one of those organizations. Did you say Monkey Knife Monkey Fight? Monkey Knife Bite. Uh, we tried to keep it a silly name because it's a ridiculous event. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I took it over from a friend of mine after I had done the first few years. And it's a road ride, and we splice in seven of the hardest, steepest, dirtiest climbs we have in the Lehigh Valley. Um, and we race up those, and then we regroup it on the roads in between. And then we get back oh. to the finish and have beers and laugh about it. Um, but we also raise a lot of money for charity. And this year we did it for dream come true. As I was saying, one of those organizations that send kids on trips, you know, terminally ill children to Disney world or to see their favorite um, artists at a concert or well, a lot of things that they could not do this year. So okay. um, we had, we had to cancel that like the day that the NBA also stopped so we knew we were making the right call which was helpful because no one knew really then what to do we were guessing at best but we knew we had a lot of volunteers that were interacting with those terminally ill children and we couldn't have them get exposed to covid so that became like the deciding point like we can't actually have this event but fortunately most of our participants said please keep my registration fee as a charity right now those kids need it more than i do at this time and we raised twenty thousand dollars for them and that was turned out to at least something good came from the non-event. So oh, that's that worked good. Out. 
That's good. Yeah. Um, and then so you had you had already had Unpaved on the books. I think yep. it was scheduled for October, was it? Was it was October 11th. That was, yeah, decided. We had our permit meetings, all those sorts of things back in January or early February. So we were okay. all going forth with a 1,200-person event. Okay. And so you have to cancel this event in um, – in April, now you're looking up at this date looming. Although it, in April, it kind of felt like, okay, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna flatten the curve in a couple of weeks. We'll all be back to life and all that stuff. So, um, Kelly, was that race was unpaved on? You had done it um, a couple times in the past. Was that? Were you already planned on doing it uh, in this year? That was the plan. It, I okay. had a full race schedule, and unpaved was there. It was one of the races that I knew I really wanted to be at this year. Is it your, is it your kind of a race or is it the start of your cyclocross season or where does that fall in your calendar? It's sort of mid cyclocross season for me because there are a couple early season cyclocross races, but I actually had intended to go to marathon mountain bike nationals, which was in September. So it was almost really a perfect timing for the race because I was going to ultimately be going from racing longer mountain bike races to a longer gravel race. So it kind of worked, uh, was going to work out really well. (laughs) Okay. And then, so Dave, you're, you're kind of looking up at this, you're getting your sponsors lined up. Um, You've had some in the past. And so, you know, you had your existing relationships. You're kind of trying to read the tea leaves here. Um, When would, when would you normally open registration for that event? We had it set to open on, I think it was April 11th. So six months oh. out from the. Oh, wow. Event. Okay. Yeah. So, so you're, you're, you're on the doorstep. We were on the doorstep, but fortunately had not opened registration yet. So we had not okay. taken in everyone's money. You know, there wasn't like that sort of business issue of what do you do with this and defer it. So what we did was just push registration back a month. Like there's bigger things to worry about right now than a bike ride in October, by then things will be fine. It don't, don't worry about it then. Let's worry about finding our toilet paper and, you know, taking care of each other right now. So we push it off to May. We got to May and realized that things weren't looking any better yet. So we push it to July. And then by July, thing, well, by June, things were looking better, at least in Pennsylvania and the mid-Atlantic region. Um, it was certainly rough going, early going. You know, there was spikes, there was you know, loss of loved ones. There was a lot of issues happening, but by June, Pennsylvania had kind of flattened the curve, pretty well flattened okay. the curve. And so there was some state guidance about how to put on outdoor recreational events or outdoor things that were a max of 250 people. So we used that as our mm. guideline to build this off of. And then within that looked at how many people we need to have this kind of event, which was roughly 40 to 50 volunteers, staff, timing, ham radio operators, communication, medics, all those sorts of things, which brought us to 200 people as a field. And previously the events had been either a 30, 50, 90, or 120 mile event, with 120 being kind of the big deal and what most people signed up for. So we decided let's just keep it at 120. You know, our premier event, the race, that sort of thing, keep like the attention and stoke high, but also in the back of our minds, knowing that people know how to shortcut this yeah. thing because they go by eight stations twice and like, well, I just won't go off to that other section. I'll just treat this as my second stop. And so people who needed a shorter version can still do that safely. Got it. Kelly, where did you, so two things. One was that, was this rate, had you done this race before? 
Yes, I raced it last year as well. Okay. And she so, won it the year before too. Congrats. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so this was already on your radar. When you, um, uh, were, were you one of the sort of trepidatious ones? Were you like, I'm racing it regardless? You're in a little bit different um, situation, frankly, f you know, sort of front running. You know, you're kind of out of the scrum, so to speak, for the most part. But where, how did you feel about doing this race? Well, I am, my home is in Massachusetts and New England has been relatively conservative as far as some of the policies related to COVID. And as a result, I've been pretty cautious about my actions and things that I attend or lack thereof. And for me, I really, really wanted to be part of this event for a lot of reasons. One, I had a fantastic time last year. Yeah. I also am a Buck, I'm a Bucknell alumni. Okay. So, or alumnus, I guess is the, the singular. And I love going back to Lewisburg. I also knew that I wanted to be safe and knew that it was on my radar of an event. And I was thrilled to hear that it was an event that was still thinking about being put on because pretty much every race on my calendar was dropped. Yeah. And in a painful way, they, a lot of ways the organizers would say, oh, we're still going to have it. And then three weeks before they drop it and I'm like, yeah. I booked a, you know, I booked an Airbnb. Um, but we, my husband and I had decided that any race we did this year would be drivable. It would not be super far and would not put us in the path of potentially risky behavior being in big groups and whatnot. So it was definitely on my radar, but I was cautious of course, because I wanted to make sure that I was not contributing to any potential bad behaviors. Yeah. Would you, would you have done it had they gone full strength? I suppose that's a question I don't know that I could answer. Um, huh. Probably. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> I say that because <laughs> I, I know it's a, I know it maybe is taboo to say that, but I have had a really tough year and having, being someone who thrives off of racing yeah. and, and my training is motivated by the races for which I'm training, it is really difficult to see everything sort of disappear on the race calendar. It's what keeps me, me. Yeah. And if this was the only race I would likely have attended knowing there was a risk and then would have done everything I needed to do afterward to self quarantine and whatnot. Yeah. So I didn't expose anyone. Yeah. After. Understood. It's okay. I know we all have that sort of guilty, like, eh, yeah, I got to admit. I mean, we, you know, we've been going to the gym. We're, we're actually owned by Lifetime Fitness. Um, but the, the Lifetimes in our area have been doing a phenomenal job of enforcing masks and things like that. And, you know, I've had conversations with people about like, oh, you know, do you think it's safe? Do you think it's good that they're open? And again, it's like you balance the two things of mental health versus physical health. And for me, and for a lot of people, yourselves included, the racing, working out, staying fit and healthy and connected to that, um, I, I need it. I mean, I, I, I feel like it's, it is a need um, to keep my, you know, sort of self-sane through all of this. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Uh, the benefit for me, for my mental health is... For me, and now I know every story is different for every person, but personally for me, it outweighs the risk. Yeah. Um, does your husband race? Did he race this? 
No, no. My husband, I'm actually chuckling at you asking that. He has not a competitive bone in oh. his body. <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> so he is the, we are team Kelcat, the two of us together. He is the driver, the chef, the mechanic. Actually, that's probably his key role as the mechanic because cool. um, he does all the bike stuff. He does everything that I do don't do because I'm racing. Perfect. Wow. You sound <laughs> yeah. like it, it's the, the perfect marriage it's, <laughs> for me. Yes. <laughs> nice. All right. So Dave, um, you had a great quote here. You said, um, it was, it was about 10 times as much work for one fifth, the amount of people Does that yeah. stand by that one. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I still will sometimes go in the back of my head. Was it worth, was, should I have done that? Should I have canceled at some point? Just, and I got asked on stuff before, like why, why are you still going forward? It's like, well, because we can. And in some ways, while I've done a lot of events of this sort of size and kind, of, I'm not fast as Kelly. Um, I don't win races, I don't place, I don't show, but I love finishing them and I like doing yeah. them. And I, this, a lot of this felt like my endurance race this year was putting this on and can I actually pull it off? And we kept not getting calls and reasons not to. So we just, yeah. you know, like a event, my chain didn't break going up to the top of that hill. So I'll keep going. So. That's good. Well, yeah. frankly, thank God for you because there's a, you know, we were, um, we are as an industry down 94 and a half percent over last wow. year. And we, and that's really, I mean, the, the Delta there is a lot of that, well, not the Delta, sorry, the, the still the 5% that is left tons of virtual races, et cetera. So right. it's, it's, yeah. um, and through March, we were actually as an industry up 3%. So this was Jeez. the first growth year that we had going since 2012. So things were, things were looking up and, uh, so I heard that. that's, a, that's an amazing statistic. Yeah. Yeah. So the, um, could you have done it? I mean, I know that the state guidance was 250 sort of all in with staff. So you added that 50% buffer, kept it at 200 athletes. Could you have done it like multi-day, multi-phase sort of like a Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon, Sunday, you know, kind of a Spartan type of thing where you could have done more athletes or did you just feel like that we was We could have, and that was certainly, I don't know, playing Q somewhere in there. Um, <laughs> and came to realization that just wasn't going to work because of the changes we need, need to make permit wise. And as everyone has noticed, the outdoors are really popular right now. Mm -hmm. So the forest was exceptionally busy and the rangers were out constantly working harder than they've ever worked. And so it also seemed taxing on them to redo everything. Uh, it was already hard enough to get the, I mean, at least we had the permit agreed upon before this happened. If we had not, and it would have gone on at all. There was no new permits being issued. In fact, we tried to put on a virtual event and tie it into ours, but it needed to be a separate event. And they said, no, no, no new permits. And even though it was ironic that we actually had an in-person event, but couldn't pull off a virtual event. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. Did you, um, go ahead. I was going to ask, so have you ever, have you ever put on a, a, a road race? Not a typical road race. No. Okay. I was just going to ask on the permitting side of things, um, just the, the difference between the two, but ultimately my ultimate question there is what you did. Is that a sustainable business model? for a race. Could you have, um, even if you weren't profitable this time, could you have been with more time and certainty in things, or was it just too much work for too few athletes? Um, it's a great question. I mean, I think 
yes, it is possible. I, but I do think at some point it would be the numbers would drop off. I mean, I think the cuts we made in as far as the venue, I mean, we immediately dropped the, we have this fantastic gym facility. We ran it out in the first two years and people love hanging out there. The fantastic kitchen where everyone gets to eat afterwards and there's indoor restrooms or showers if you want to use one. So it's beautiful. And I get to put all of our stuff inside and hang out there. It's really wonderful, but it's not cheap. And it's, it's one of the first places I went to when restrictions in Pennsylvania lifted was up there to go check in on things. And they've had very few cases in that region up until now, in the last few weeks, things have spiked up, but they've actually had very few cases. It's another reason we were able to have it. They have a huge hospital infrastructure in that county and very few cases. But I went to that gym and I saw this really cute old couple walking in to go do their thing. I'm like, no, we can't have mm. an event in their place. That's their place in their bubble and we yeah, can't interesting. mix the two. So we cut that out. So that's a, we cut a lot of costs. Like okay. That was anything that needed to be paid more than like three to four weeks ahead of time was a no. Um, so I do think while it was possible, and I think we could do it again next year if we needed to do it, I don't know how many people would continue to come back to something like that versus the kind of travel events yeah. we're trying to be one of those kind of bigger ones. So I, I would bet that Kelly will be back. <laughs> you would bet right. The, I'm assuming I'm, I mean, of course, we don't know what's going to happen in the future. I am no fortune teller here, but assuming that someone from Massachusetts would be allowed to go to Pennsylvania in the future, um, I would absolutely be back. It's so bizarre I, to even I, contemplate what you just said in terms of, I, well, you know, right I get now it. I'm not allowed in Vermont. Yeah, I get it. I'm actually and not allowed to go up there. So if the event was this Sunday, I would have canceled today. Is that right? Honestly, because yeah. Pennsylvania just changed restrictions to anyone coming from out of state needs to quarantine two weeks before or provide a positive or a negative COVID test wow. before doing anything within yeah. 72 hours. So, yeah, and that changed today. That's so it would have been changes. Wow. It's yeah. amazing. Just slid in. Um, was the, um, I'm going to try to pronounce this, the Susquehanna. Is that how it's pronounced? Susquehanna. Susquehanna. Susquehanna River. Yeah. So was the, um, that fall foliage party. So you mentioned that you canceled the pre-race, um, festivities and things, or was it the post-race, but w were you part of that? Oh. Did you kind of link up or was there, did you have to sort of do that unofficially so that you can keep your numbers copacetic and all that no, stuff? No, that, that was a Saturday. So they, they have a fall festival okay. and last year they moved it to the same weekend as unpaved because they knew we were bringing people in and thought it'd be a great way to mix two. And it was great. It was fantastic to have bike vendors next to crafters, next to, you know, a whoopie pie baker next to the beer tent, next to the music stand and the kids festivities. They had a bike rodeo and they have, they're famous for woolly worms, which are um, fuzzy bear caterpillars. Okay. The black one, fuzzy ones, with mm. a little red band in, and they use it as a winter park domestication, kind of like the groundhog day. Mm. So all that stuff was pulled together on Saturday and it was a blast. Cool. It was so great. And we, up until a few weeks before, thought it could still happen. We spread all the tents out further and or around the whole town and things like that. And then it just became, no, this is too many hoops to jump through. But I think also too many people not comfortable with doing it. So, Got it. Got it. Um, when did you have the, um, so I think most 
I just happen to be a good buddy with a person who loves doing enduro racing. When did you <laughs> have the idea? You, did you say that you already had the enduro scoring model in place? For, first off, I guess let's let's talk about one of you guys can describe what the enduro scoring model is versus just a kind of a start finish bike race. I'll do the format, and then Kelly can talk about how she the way she did it was fantastic. Um, so what it is, instead of having a start line and a finish line and you time everything in between, you have different start and finish segments on the course. You split up the course into different chunks. And in between, those sections are not timed. Um, some people call it segment racing, enduro racing, because it started with motorcycle and mountain bike enduro segments doing that. So they weren't timed up climbs. They were just timing the downhill sections. But then they had to climb their bike, ride their bike back up to the top of the next climb and do that. Um, I like calling it regroup racing, which is what Kelly and the team, um, the rest of the women's podium did, which after they raced that first section, you, know, you ride casually to it, race that section. In that case, it was like a five mile climb. And after that little finish line, which you see, then you stop and you wait and you regroup and you ride with your friends again to the next one. And you can chat and eat and drink, or if you had a mechanical, you can fix it, all that sort of stuff. So it's really a great format. People have been doing this kind of stuff for a long while we did not invent it by any stretch uh grinduro is a famous one in yeah. california now worldwide that uses it um there's another one in pennsylvania that uses it so i've always enjoyed it too we've done it for mountain bike events that i think they're a lot of fun but since other events were doing it and there's like all right let's not use that format we decided to do it because we knew then we could turn off timing in the aid stations and people would spread out and not try and rush through an aid station and crowd and try and pissed off because their water wasn't getting poured fast enough or yeah. skipping their nutrition or not moving the bags we wanted them to and just leaving them haphazard. We wanted to calm those things down. So that's why we went with that. That was the number one reason we went to it was safety and COVID protocols in the aid stations. Smart. Smart. Kelly, you seem to uh, embrace the format. I, I saw your quote that said, I secretly hope that unpaved keeps that format. So you seem to <laughs> dig it. <laughs> I did. It was a race experience unlike any other race I've ever had. And it was crafted. I, I crafted the day in that way. I wanted it to be different. I think for all intents and purposes, 2020 has been just a year of being different. Um, and for me, I've always raced. It's always been a very solo effort. You start at the beginning of the race, you race your own race. And for a lot, in a lot of ways that works well for me. So if I see someone go take off, I'm like, race your own race, stay at your own pace. It'll be fine. Just keep moving. Um, but this time I knew because of the format that it would be probably a pretty long day on the bike. Well, it would be anyway, but now that we were potentially, and we can talk about this later is we were initially going to be starting in different at our own time so we were going to be spread out so every racer was going to start at a different time i was like man this is gonna be a long day on the bike i may never see a single person out there who knows yeah. um and for me i thought how cool would it be if i could reach out to the the top women in the field and say do you guys want to ride together and it would be a real test of strength and ability because it would mean that because i propose the idea not just ride together but Let's ride, stay together for the entire time and regroup at the end of each segment. We'll race our race at, during the segments. And instead of me proposing it as let's race against each other, it was just let's race at whatever pace we want to in the segments, uh, knowing that 
we all are competitors. Of sure. course, we wanted to race each other. And <laughs> it gave us the opportunity, instead of us spreading out yeah. and doing our own thing all day, we had the three of us to push each other, which worked really, really well. I really enjoyed it. And it was the best way to face the reality of who's the strongest on the day. And that's not often something you get to experience because you're often riding on your own. I was going to ask that because I looked at your finish times and you all finished together. So I don't remember what it was, but like six or nine hours. We intentionally said, let's finish side by side. So the three of us passed through at the same time. It felt poetic. We had to do it. That's great. <laughs> that is awesome. So you guys, um, so you would like, how would you, how would you approach the timed segment? Was it kind of like, I'm, 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 uh, 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 or, well, or. <laughs> you know, it's funny. We didn't know exactly where the time segments were oh. because we were told that they were in a specific, they would be in a specific location with a sign. And it would say segment start, but there was potential fluctuation from exactly where it would start. And so we would sort of happen upon, I remember the third segment, we turned on and we took a really sharp right turn up a steep hill and we had just gotten out. It was only a couple of miles from the, the aid station after the hardest, I would argue the hardest segment of the day, which was the longest segment. There's no of the argument. Day. That is the, hard, <laughs> is the hardest segment. <laughs> we turned, we turned to see the start. It would said segment start for the start of the third segment. And the three of us just said to ourselves, well, no, not even to ourselves. We said out loud, I can't, you're kidding me, right? This is the start <laughs> of the segment. It was a super steep climb. Um, so I'd say we were, we knew it was coming and okay. I, myself, I can't speak for the other two women, but I myself was getting antsy. Like what, what's going to happen? Because when you're around other people, you don't have control over those other people and sure. the other racers. So are they feeling good? Are they not feeling good? What should I say? What should I not say? And so of course, being the competitor I am, I'm constantly thinking, okay, just, just race your own race. But now you have other people to be with you. And I would say for me, getting up to those segments, it was a little anxiety inducing, Uh, but also really nice to have that camaraderie because it did, we were just talking about random topics the entire ride and it kept my mind at ease a bit more. Otherwise it would have just been in my head the whole time. And this is Haley and Vicky? Yes. Yep. Haley and Vicky. Haley came in second last year. Okay. Um, Had you met them? Vicky came in second the first year. Oh, yes. funny. Second or third. I forget. Yeah. Had you met them or maybe you'd met them, but had you actually like, were you even acquaintances before the race? It's a great question. Haley and I go back many years. She raced at Pitt in college and I raced at Bucknell uh, for cycling in the Eastern Collegiate Cycling Conference. And our teams were relatively close. We used to travel with a, on a bus and share the bus to go up to New Hampshire, for example, for the really long races. And she, everyone used to call me uh, DeShark because my, my maiden name was DeHarness and it was spelled DeSharness. So everyone oh, would say, DeShark, go DeShark. <laughs> and she used to call me Sharky. Okay. And I don't remember why, but I used to call her Dino Girl. I think she might have had <laughs> like dinosaur tights or something. I can't honestly can't remember. And so we used to race with each other and it'd be like, go Dino, go, go Dino Girl, go. And she'd be like, go Sharky. And we used to, you know, we were friends. Cool. And then we graduated and years passed and I hadn't seen her for a very long time. And then last year, I was racing at Unpaved and right before the start of Jones Mountain, the, re- the first big climb, she passed me and said, 
oh, what did she say? I think she just said, go Sharky. And I was like, Dino girl. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's a long time. Yeah. So I've known, I've known Haley for a while and Vicky, I raced against in a stage race in Vermont, a mountain bike stage race in Vermont two years ago, I think. So that's the first time I had run into her. Cool. But had you ever yeah. like, so you weren't necessarily friends. I mean, you, you sort of knew each other through races and yeah. stuff, but. Yeah. yeah. I had every once in a while, you'll message someone on Instagram. I, sure. I had reached out to Vicky before the race last year and said, Hey, I saw you did it. What kind of tires should I use? I had never done a gravel race in my entire life before unpaved last year. I had no idea what tires to pick or whatever. So I had kind of picked her brain a little bit. Um, but we weren't, I wouldn't say that we were close friends or anything, but, and because of that, I think it made it easier for me to reach out to both of them and say, do you guys want to do this event together? Because I had potentially less shame in thinking like, what if they say no? I would have been like, well, they're not my friends. So it's not a huge deal. You know, they're not super yeah. close friends. So yeah. um, I think it worked out really well. That is awesome. But we ended friends. I would like to, I would like to think that we ended friends. <laughs> <laughs> they're probably sitting there going, screw you. Uh, maybe. I don't <laughs> <Damn know. it. laughs> um, oh, I had a question about that. Oh, where was it? I think it was, um, I read a quote from you, Dave. It was something like, gravel is exploding and the main reason is because of the people. And I think that is yeah. a, that's a good example of, um, of the types of people. It's funny because cycling and even triathlon to a lesser extent, but certainly cycling, I mean, it's no secret. It's like, these are, they're, they're not the nicest people in the world. Like it's kind of <laughs> tough to break into the cycling, you know, even just like local. I mean, I live, you know, right outside of Boulder, Colorado. So it's like the, the cyclists that are up here, just, you know, good luck, uh, you know, whatever, but I won't go too far into it, but the, like the trail running gravel mountain biking, totally different type of person and just a different mentality, the inclusiveness and just the, you know, willingness to jump in there, help you with a mechanical or whatever. It's just awesome. Oh, without a doubt. It's unbelievable. And I mean, yeah, I live in a similar, like Lehigh Valley is we joke is the boulder of Pennsylvania. Mm. Uh, we often have the same kind of people. We have a track here. We have, we have all the disciplines. It's a, another fantastic place to ride bikes. Although I shouldn't say that out loud because you know, the more fast people will move here. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, there is some of that. There's a, there's a local who came up with stickers saying, don't be such a roadie. And we laugh about that. If it's but it's without a doubt this this event and would not have happened without just how accommodating and flexible people were with the changes we kept throwing at them you know and that's part of the reason we went with the segment thing is because all right we have to make all these changes this year let's throw some more at that we've been thinking about you know you're now our guinea pigs you were having a smaller field would we try that with a thousand people i don't know but i'll try it with a couple hundred and see if you like it and we'll yeah. see what sticks so is in the, um, as I said before, Sus Susquehanna River Valley, mm -hmm. and this is, is pretty much central Pennsylvania, right? It's kind of smack dab between. Yeah, it's almost dead center. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, very rural is in, um, pretty rural. Yes. Yeah? Okay. So kind with, of out in the middle of. Um, it's a cute college town. Okay. With beautiful farm country, a lot of Mennonite and Amish farms on the nine miles that lead you to the state forest. And it was, the course was, was it hundred and. 30, 20, 123 ish, something like that. Yep. And I it, was a, <laughs> it was, it was confirmed. It was a hundred miles of gravel, dirt, un, unpaved 
um, seg- uh, roads on that, which worked out nicely. Was that segment, I think it was segment three, the hard segment? Is that, was segment no, two. two? The second one. Okay. Yeah. Was it, <laughs> what are you looking up at single track or is this um, um, uh, like service road? Could you, uh, would you, could you go two or three abreast or, or did you have to sort of pick a leader? Do you want me to answer this? I would love you to answer that. No, okay. I about it. <laughs> they're, they're all road, generally road width. Okay. The, the second segment is a portion of what the, the original race course would have been named the difference. And it's called that. And I, I'm giving the details of Dave's race here, but it's called <laughs> that because it is the difference between the long route of the course and the 90 mile route. Okay. And it's a 30 mile like lollipop kind of addition to the course. And that portion, not only is it the difference in distance, it's also really the difference between a really rolling, hilly, nice, genuinely nice day on the bike and a grueling adventure. Um, Because the first, it's a, there's a several big climbs, but in the segment in particular, the first part of the segment the first five miles are rugged rocky jeep road kind of conditions and they're loose big rocks okay kind of uh, like a river rock kind of thing or more jagged like smooth or um both (laughs) like everything every kind of rock you can imagine (laughs) i would say just short of a mountain bike rock garden okay yes yeah. And maybe more treacherous in some ways. Um, and I shouldn't say treacherous, exciting. Okay. Because for me, that was, I felt like I was truly in my element. But the rocks are somewhat loose. So you have to really be strategic about how you pick your lines, what speed you go at. And certainly you can be multiple people abreast because it is road width. And everyone likes to choose a different line. There were several people walking their bikes, both uphill and downhill. Um, there were several people just taking their time, staying on the edges, staying yeah. in the middle. And for me, it was the opportunity for my technical skills as a mountain bike racer. That's my primary discipline to really shine. And that's where I made up the most difference between myself and Vicky and Haley, because mm-hmm. they, they had even, they had both sort of mentioned to me like, well, Haley had said, Oh, I'm really glad that you're racing with me because, um, I, I want to be able to follow someone who knows what they're doing. Mm. And I was thinking, oh, if I could put in a little bit of space <laughs> between the two of us before we really hit that section, then maybe she'll have to slow down. Um, so, of course, I'm always thinking strategy, but that's good. Um, yeah. So, that first five miles was really, and it's, most of it is downhill. <laughs> that's the shark attack in me, yeah. right? Um, and then the, the next 16 miles were just steep climbs, downhills, gravel state forest kind of roads is absolutely gorgeous. And there are a couple of climbs where I'm like, when is it going to end? Yeah. <laughs> what kind of bike but were you is, on? I was on a titanium, a custom titanium, uh, gravel bike made by seven cycles. Okay. So it was actually, it's, it's the race optimized version of their, their evergreen. Okay. It's named the Kell cross somewhat nice. after me. Look at you. So, yeah, it's nice. pretty cool. <laughs> is it more of a gravel geometry or a cyclocross geometry? It's meant to serve both, but I would say probably more of a, a gravel geometry. Okay. It's also my pit my pit bike for cyclocross. So okay. they designed it to be stiff in the right ways, but also compliant in the right ways as well. But it is definitely designed to be a bit more endurance 
geometry so that I'm comfortable for seven, eight, nine hours on the bike. Yeah, it's a long day without suspension for sure. Uh, yes, yeah. <laughs> but titanium kind of feels like yeah. you have a little bit of suspension. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I know my husband who is still getting his wrapping his head around gravel is like, this is totally different world. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm, I'm a, I like having fewer tools in terms of, you know, like a, you could certainly have a cyclocross bike, gravel bike, you know, hardtail, full suspension, all of those things. And so I, I settled on two, I have a hardtail mountain bike and then I have a cyclocross, I have a Trek Boone and it's, it's like that thing, that bike is so twitchy. And I think about an eight, nine hour day on that bike, there's no, especially, you know, like rock garden style riding. I think my teeth would fall out of my head. (laughs) That is one of the things I really love about gravel though, is these bikes can handle whole wide range of terrain. Yeah. And yeah, you can optimize them to a more chunky stuff. If you know, you're going to ride a lot of chunky things, you can put on a 40 or 45 size tire or run smaller ones, or if you know you're mostly smooth, but then you can still adjust if you hit that other kind of stuff. So yeah. 90% of what you ride is smooth. Those bikes can still handle five miles of chunky descent. You just then have to make that adjustment. So it puts a lot of emphasis on the rider to do, do those things, which I think is a fun part of cycling too. Yeah. I've seen a lot of people like at uh, dirty cans of this year or last year had um, like dropper posts and things on their gravel bikes. And, you know, you're starting yeah. to get these kind of, I mean, that's the nice thing with a gravel bike is I don't own a road bike, you know, but I can, I can very easily do a road day on it if I, if I need or want yep. to, but. Um, Absolutely. Did you guys, did you guys wear masks at all while you were riding? We rode masks when we were passing people. Okay. And that was both if we were passing someone on course who was also riding on course, we would pull our mask up. I I was using a neck, okay. neck gator neck buff kind of thing. Um, and so I would just pull it up real quick over me when I was passing someone close. And then when we were on, there were a couple sections of rail trail where we were potentially passing people in opposite directions. Because it was a Sunday, we did pass several different Mennonite families who were on their bikes together going to church or coming home from church. And the kids would pull over and they stare at us and they'd look at us. We had a couple people point out, oh, one, two, and three, because that's where our race number is on the yeah. front of our bikes. And we would just, you know, we'd be smiling. You couldn't tell, of course, because we had our masks on, but if we'd wave and um, yeah, we'd always put our, our masks up to be safe. But we typically rode far enough apart where the three of us were not, we wouldn't, when it was just the three of us, need to wear masks. And to your point about it being very, very rural and very quiet, we would ride gosh, three abreast safely. And if a car was coming, we would come, we would obviously tuck back in, but it was so quiet that their roads were pretty much empty all day everywhere we went, which was really nice. Well, it sounds beautiful. I mean, what, what time of year is this normally? What, what, what is, what was the target date? Was it July? It's mid-October. Mid-October. No, we actually, yeah, that's our date. So it'll be October 10th next year. All right. Well, if you're looking for a kick-ass gravel race, that sounds like (laughs) uh, definitely something to put on the calendar. That's cool. We got peak foliage this year too. I mean, the day I bet it was unreal. Our Instagram account is on, it's just gorgeous right now. So I'll have to pull some of those photos and put them in the, uh, in the blog post for this too. Now I can send you something. Remind me. Oh, that's awesome. So we, we talked a little bit about the business model. I mean, one of the things that stands out like rock and roll, um, as they sort of crested over their, you know, the peak of the marathon and half marathon, they started adding a lot of 
uh, shorter distance racers to sort of, you know, remain um, somewhat profitable. I mean, a lot, we, we've talked to, to a handful of people on the show about the economics of racing and every race director, you sort of have that magical athlete where, okay, once we get to 783, we're profitable kind of thing. <laughs> um, is this like just kind of, I guess, brainstorming for other race directors who are out there listening, whether they're gravel or run or whatever, um, what, like, what advice do you have in terms of, it almost sounds like you kind of said, like you kind of threw that side of it out. Like, I don't care oh, yeah. at this point, like who cares if we make money? What, what's the best race experience? Is that, was that your philosophy as you dialed it yeah, in? Yeah. What was, you know, a, what is safe and viable, you know, and we were fortunate being in October, there were a number of other events happening in Pennsylvania and mid Atlantic area. Again, this area had calmed down fairly decently around midsummer as far as COVID cases went. So other ones were starting to test the waters and we saw what they were doing. We were watching them. We were staying in touch with them. I started going to a few of them just to seeing what was going on. And so far, and I keep wanting to knock on wood, even though our event is now over a month old, here we are in mid November. Um, none of them have been like super spreader events. There's not been really any cases of COVID related to outdoor recreational events, not even just activity, but events. And so I mean, hopefully someday there'll be science and research to back that up, but at least anecdotally at no point did it seem like, okay, it's scary to do in that regard. I was like, okay, so that's now realistic. We can do the things we know we need to do, keep seeing what new changes are and things like that. Um, I mean, it's, it's horrible and sucks, but there's so many costs that were cut that just affect other business partners that we have. You know, yeah. we didn't do t-shirts. We didn't do medals. We didn't do the mugs and the buffaloes we give out to all the finish. We didn't do finisher prizes. Really. We gave everyone a whoopie pie because I could order those three days ahead of time and get as many. I knew exactly as we would need. So there's a lot of that sort of what you can do quickly, flexibly. Flexibly is that a word? It is now. It is now. Um, thanks. Um, but yeah, this is very much a make it up as we went sort of situation. And I kept just a tab on our budget and kept estimating what things would cost and say, okay, we're not going to lose money in this, not going to lose money now. I did say to a couple of our major sponsors that this, I need to know if you're in or not. Otherwise, if you're not, then just tell me now so then I can cancel. Because without it, then it would have been impossible. The Susquehanna River Valley Visitors Borough is our title sponsor and they they were desperate, not desperate's the wrong word. I won't say desperate. They were really excited to have something happen. And yeah. they've had very few cases yet, and probably because nothing's been going on. Um, but they felt confident that what we were doing was safe and was not going to bring COVID to their area, which was a key concern. Um, Stans and Salsa, Goo, Floyds, and so many others are like, yep, we said we would support you. We're going to continue to support you. And they've been great to work with. So with that, it happened. Without that, it would not have happened. Um, so, and having those, it's constant communication, having a smaller event helped because then I could communicate with all the athletes quickly, but I could also had time to communicate more with our sponsors too and say, here's what I'm thinking. Is this okay with you? Cause their name is associated with it. They don't want to be associated with an event. That's going to be a super sparter event, and have potential lives lost by any stretch. I mean, that'd be horrible. So yeah. it was a lot of communication with all these groups and making sure people are on board and you're getting that group think it's not just what I believed was possible, but what everyone I mean, this another reason it changed so much because people had ideas, you know, we have friends who race are epidemiologists and they're like, yeah, I think you can do this and this and this, and I don't want to put this on them. Like it'll happen or not because of what you think, but that guidance was huge. And so 
it's a that 10 times more work is a lot of hours talking to people. Yeah, yeah. definitely not getting an hourly wage off of this. Yeah, I was going to ask how much you how much you um brainstormed with the athletes. Um the that's a great question. I had some key ones I brainstormed with a lot. Uh, again, two of them, one of them works at a university as an epidemiologist for university. So, and I work at university. So then we would trade notes about what we were all thinking and then how that would apply to an event. Another one who races unpaved, he works in the medical field. And so he had a lot of ideas based on what he was seeing. So there's some key ones, but it was, we did a survey in, do you remember when that was, Kelly? That was probably May, maybe? It was definitely- Maybe or June. Yeah, I think it was right after, did you close registration again? I can't remember. Um, it was in between, before we opened. Yes, okay, so I think it was right around that time, yeah. Yeah, and asking things like, would you be willing to fly to an event like this? Like, how many people are we gonna get from outside of the Mid-Atlantic? Um, are you comfortable around 1,000 people? Are you comfortable around 500? Where are your comfort rates? And, Use that to some extent, but those results were not that surprising. People were excited to do an event. They just like, it'll be fine by October. We'll be, I'm, I want to do it. I want to do it. So some greatness out there, but we knew people weren't going to fly. And we knew that Pennsylvania had a lot of states that you would need to quarantine first. And so we kept, hmm. you know, their friends from Illinois that wanted to come out. I'm like, nope, I have to defer you because you're still on the list as of 10 days out or 14 days out. So. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I didn't. I don't know if that's just. Um, I, I've heard of that a little bit on the east east coast, but I haven't heard of that a lot on the west west. Not, not that I'm on the coast, but the west side of the you know western half of the United States. The states are much bigger and and more spread out typically. I, guess, I think in the. Yeah. But we um, talked seriously, plan. I don't know. Are about making it Pennsylvania only this year. Mm -hmm. But that didn't necessarily seem fair because what's the difference between Philadelphia and you know, Newark or. Uh, yeah, you know, Easton and Phillipsburg across the river from each other, and they're you know they're fine. They're just different states, and so that didn't seem quite fair to do. If we had done it like a month ahead of time, open reg, we'd have made it just Pennsylvania only. But if you do that, you can in control the, the controllables. That's if, another thing. Control the controllables because so much is out of control. That's a good tip. If you do that in the future, um, please let me be on the phone when you call Kelly and tell her she can't race in your <laughs> event. <laughs> Maybe I'll just I want to see the shark somewhere in Pennsylvania. And move. <laughs> you can spend two weeks before the event here. Yeah, that's, that's you true. Know, you can spend, yeah, a I cabin. definitely would do that. We have the cutest Airbnb. I could spend oh, two yeah. weeks there. Right. <laughs> it sounds like a gorgeous part of the country. Yeah. I love it there. Yeah. Yeah. I grew up in Phoenix, so I have this just um, my wife laughs at me because she's from Buffalo. Um, huh? but like I see trees and fall colors and things like that. And, and you'd think I'm looking at, you know, like prehistoric <laughs> animals or something that nobody's ever seen. It's, I always feel like I'm in Jurassic park. Like, Oh my God, look at those trees. <laughs> we didn't have a lot of those in Phoenix growing up. <laughs> That's how I felt the same way. The first time I flew to the Southwest, I looked out and like, are we landing on the moon? Is this the same planet? I mean, not even the same country. Yeah. It's in, it is interesting flying into Phoenix. It's similar like here in, 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 I live in, in the Denver area now. And when you fly over the Rocky mountains, it's just like, oh my God, they just go on forever. And how could you live in those things, especially in the winter? But Phoenix, when you're in it, you know, it's all, there's tons of foliage and things like that. It's all desert foliage. But when you get up in an airplane, I mean, count to, count to 20 and look out the window and all of a sudden it is just dirt and sand as far as you yeah. can see in every direction. It's crazy. It is crazy. You know, yeah. it's, a, it's a dry heat 
as they say. <laughs> I, I like wet heat. Thank you. I'm good with humidity. Yeah. So going, so let's, you know, going forward here, um, you know, you've got, are you, are you, are you hoping for your April event? Is that still on your calendar to put That's on? A, as of today? No, I'm not very hopeful for it at all. Okay. Um, we, even, even with the same, like, would you, do you think that it, like the um, unpaved is a great fall event? Is there an unpaved, unpaved spring with the same format? If you had more I think help? if we did it, we would do the same format. Okay. Because I know it's, now they know it's possible and. Yeah how many more ways I'm going to try and reinvent things at this point. Um, yeah, really. Uh, I think, again, one of the last changes we made, Kelly touched on it, we were going to do basically a time trial start to this event to spread people out. We were going to have an Amish auctioneer coming up and be like, hey, anyway, 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 <laughs> Kelly, get out, like, Kelly, get out. Set people off every 30 seconds, and it was going to be fantastic. Um, but because it's 2020, a hurricane remnant was threatening the event. Uh, of course. So, and I didn't want, you know, we had Kelly going up last. She was our only returning champ. And it's like, well, I don't want her to go off at 9 a.m. and have to spend the entire day in the rain when our competitors started at 7.30. And, then, you know, well, that's, you know, it's racing in fair is fair. But it still didn't seem mm. like a great experience. So then we said, all right, you can start whenever you want, which, again, other gravel events have done. D2R2 is another wonderful event in Western Mass. Kelly, have you done that one? I no, haven't. I've been told go. I have to do it. And I live so it. darn close to it that if right. I have to be stuck in this state for the next year, who knows? That's Maybe that'll been, be on yeah. my list next year. That should be on your <laughs> list. I, that's a magical event. And they've done a, it starts at seven, but you can start anytime you want, mm -hmm. which is, takes a lot of pressure off. And Kelly can talk about that. Um, it really helps with that. So yeah, we didn't have a mass start. Okay, we have segments and you just go and do your things and we can do aid stations that have prepackaged food and you don't touch the water cooler because someone's going to pour water in your bottle from a pitcher instead. Yeah, it's possible and doable, but yeah, I won't pull the trigger until probably February to see how things are going. Got it. Kelly, one you, thing. Oh, oh, go ahead. No, please. I was just going to say one thing that I enjoyed about this race was the drop bags we every athlete had two drop bags and there were four aid station stops there are actually only two aid stations but you crossed both of them okay. twice throughout the course and you had one bag for one one of the aid stations one for the other and you could put whatever you wanted in it and the nice thing was you weren't timed during that as we mentioned you weren't timed during the aid stops so you could take a moment to get your bag and find what was in your bag and switch things out and i have to tell you I've never used drop bags before mm. because I'm so competitive that I don't want to waste time waiting on someone else to find my bag or whatnot. And I'm like, this is so great. I didn't wow. know what to put in it. I had all kinds of food and clothes and my bags were almost full, both of them, because I was, the possibilities were endless. It was yeah. so great. Um, but for me, it was really fantastic because I was able to feel a bit more relaxed during that that period of getting the bags and whatnot and uh, that was it was a nice change that we just talked about but the it, the drop bags were a really key part of the experience that yeah. made it a lot easier i'd say for probably every racer i didn't i think i saw every person at the aid stations using their drop bags there might have been one or two people mm. who didn't vicky was one of them because she didn't get to the the registration in time to drop her bags off. Um, so she ended up just carrying everything with her, but it oh, wow. all worked out. Yeah. Wow. 
<laughs> I even packed a sandwich. We had a, a right. very fast picnic <laughs> at one point. <laughs> Well, it sounds like the format suited you. I mean, it's, you know, it's interesting because the, when you, when you're racing at your level, do you, I mean, well, let me ask. So do you care how big a race is? If you know, like, if you know you're guaranteed five competitive riders to go against, do you care if it's a hundred person or a 10,000 person race or like, do you feed off the extra energy? There's definitely something to be said for community. And I wouldn't say this necessarily for the elite level mountain bike racing that I do, but the gravel experiences that I've had have been enriched by all of the people that are participating in it. And part of that is you see people at aid stations, you say, hi, you pass people while you're out on course. And generally people are really friendly. You pass them and you're like, hey, how's it going? And you might ride next to them for a few minutes, introduce yourself. It's it's a very different feel than a traditional elite level race. And I think part of that is because you everyone races together and it's different in the type of racing that I normally do. It's the elites race with the elites and you're not, you're yeah. not there to be part of the community you're there to get your points get your prize money get your whatever it is um and events like unpaved i think i i would care i would say i would care more about how many people are there 200 was great more last year was great i think both experiences have their merits yeah and the more the merrier in my mind when it's safe yeah. <laughs> of course sure. i have to now classify that statement but um yeah i would say that knowing I had competition is always really, really great for me as an athlete. And if I have five really strong women to race with, that's fantastic. Uh, but having more people is, is just, is nice for the ancillary part of yeah. having the community around you. Yeah. I'm usually in a bike race in the back. So I'm, I'm, I'm racing everybody. I get, I get the full experience, <laughs> the entire full experience. My first race, my first cyclocross race, cause again, it's not cyclocross really isn't a thing in Phoenix. And I moved up here and like within a couple months, I did my first cyclocross race and I came in dead last. And my wife, at one point I wrecked like for the sixth time and you're, <laughs> you're going like three miles an hour around like some, you know, sharp turn barrier or whatever. And I, of course I hit my brake. I fly over the handlebars or more topple over my handlebars. And my wife is just standing there like with her arms out going like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't know. I literally look like a circus clown. I'm racing so, here. Yeah. This is me racing. Yeah, but now I, everyone can see it because they're all right here. Yeah. I worked <laughs> up to like mid-pack by the end of the season, which I was nice. I was thrilled with. I was like, okay, I, I'll I'll call it a day there. But uh, geez, yeah. It's not really my thing. I don't know. Um, I think this, this format, um, Leadville, I'm, I'll cue the eye roll for all of the listeners who have heard me talk about Leadville now, like five of the nine... <laughs> episodes, but, um, Leadville has the stage race where they break the hundred, mm -hmm. uh, mountain bike into three days of racing. And it's kind of similar in what you're describing in terms of at the end of each day, everybody comes together in either Leadville or copper or Vale, the, you know, the two towns that are sort of no, nearest to it. And you just, you know, you hear all the stories outside of the race and just the camaraderie and all of that kind of stuff, obviously a little bit different in, in COVID um, in terms of how much interaction would be safe these days and in terms of all that stuff. But would you consider doing something like that if, um, 
if if I guess permitting and, and science and all of that stuff permitted, or do you just like it being a sort of a one day? Like, would you do a a two hundred miler broken up over a couple of days or something? That's for both Are of you. Are you asking me? Oh, I don't, I don't know who I'm, I'm asking. Let's ask Kelly first because I have ideas of what I'm gonna see what she says because I have other ideas for her. This is market research for you, Dave. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, honestly, if you asked me this last year my answer might be different, but right now, if there are events that can be put on safely, I am less picky about format than I've ever been. <laughs> I am very happy to be part of an event that is safe, no matter what the format is. Now, my preference, I'm not a huge stage race fan. I am the kind of person who just turns myself inside out on race day. And then to think about having to do that again the next day is a science in recovery and mm. sleep and things that I struggle with. So I will say that it it wouldn't be my first choice if you gave me two options. But if you said, here's the way it's going to work, I'd say sign me up because there are so few opportunities to be able to yeah. be the athlete that I want to be. So it's uh, sort of Beggars can't be choosers. In That's some awesome. Point. <laughs> All right, Dave, before you answer, I want every race director listening right now, because this has been my theory or my thought on COVID, et cetera, is I believe, um, and who cares what I think, um, but I believe like our industry, our racing has gotten a little stale. It's, you know, it, it longer the day, like when Spartan started and Color Run and a handful of these other formats. And it was like, everybody got so locked into profitability and my race has to be X and it has to be this and it has, you know, and the one thing that I really hope that comes out of COVID is exactly what you're talking about, which is just, Hey, let's figure out what works. Let's, you know, if there, is there a cyclocross triathlon? Is there a, you know, like whatever, whatever the format, let's start playing with it. We know that we're not going to be hitting our numbers that we were, uh, in 2019, right? So we know that those numbers are probably next four or five years is going to take to build back into that. But man, so many great opportunities to try different things. So, sorry, I just wanted to, a little public service announcement from somebody who doesn't matter, but Dave, now you may answer. <laughs> I'm as a race director, I'm 100% listening to you because I think so many things are going to come from this and we can get to the boon in the bike industry because if 10% of the people who bought bikes this year stick with it, it's going to change the sport yeah, dramatically. Big time. Just 10%. It's all I'm asking. And that's, it's not a reach, but all these riders who have not had events, who are still going out and doing their virtual event or coming up with their own day because they want to spend a big day on the bike are much more self-sufficient than they've ever been before. They're used to looking at their technology and making their own routes. They know how to read things better than they've ever had before. They, they're going to need less of that handheld experience. They're going to, we're going to be able to throw different things at them. You know, when we, we did drop bags because we wanted less touch points. So now Kelly needs to figure out how to run a drop bag. Now she knows. So now we can say next level up from that is, all right, it is a multi-day thing and you need to figure out what you want at that town over there. Cause that's where you're going to sleep in. Mm -hmm. Cause you're going to get the next day and ride from that town back to this town cool. in a different thing. There's going to be a lot of that sort of change to format. And it's interesting. You asked me if I'd ever put on a road race, like a typical road race. And I have not, cause I'm, I don't do it. So I would not know how <laughs> I'm not interested. But I've been thinking for a while that gravel is what American road racing always should have been. It's big open roads. It's a sense of discovery. It's not 
chasing, if we st don't chase the European and Olympic format in gravel, it's going to go great because we will have individual events that will be very different in format. You know, Unbound, what was Dirty Kansas, they have eight stations, but you have to have someone there because they can drive people to those spots. We can't do that. Everyone would be on the same road, so we can't do the same format. So there's all of these different ways, and you can have these riders who are going to know how to pack their stuff that have these bikes that can carry four different bags on them. If Vicky needs all of her stuff, then she can carry all of her stuff. It's not, she's not out of contention because she forgot to do a drop bag. She's still yeah. quite in it. Mr. Bike has six more cliff bars in it or something. <laughs> um, so I think, yeah, there's going to be a lot of interesting changes to things. And next year with, yeah, I'd love to have 12 to 1500 racers in October, but I'm not counting on it. Because I'm not sure if 12 to 1,500 people will want to meet together. So what will we do that will be different for that and make it interesting and exciting for the ones who do come and grow from there? It's going to be a lot of interesting changes. And Kelly, you would love stage racing. <laughs> You'd be great at it. Um, my partner, Mike Coon, and I used to run the Transylvania Mountain Bike Epic together, which is near where Lewisburg is. He also went to Bucknell's. His idea to use Lewisburg and all that, he knows all those roads. And when we were coming up with a gravel event, Mike's like, that's the perfect spot. And, he was right. And Transylvania was just great. We're all in this same campground for a week, hanging out, brace ourselves into the ground. And then we'd hang out, talk about it, eat, drink, and be merry until it was time to rest up and get our gear together for the next day and repeat. I mean, those are great. It's a great way to spend a vacation. So that's awesome. I see a new future, Kelly. I have, a, I have something in mind you may have to try out. Next <laughs> Kelly, did you, notice, did you notice that Dave's room like totally got brighter for a second when he was talking about, <laughs> I swear to God, like the whole room lit up. <laughs> there might have been a car driving by and its lights kind of lit up the, the room. sun's coming in perfectly. I mean, that was a sun. Damn. I was like, jeez. It was angelic. I do, <laughs> I do know that there is something magical about stage racing and it is becoming much bigger. I think part of that is because then the draw is look at all these amazing places you can see, not just yep. this one place you can see. And there is something good about that. I mean, I mentioned I met Vicky at a stage race in Vermont right. and it was three very different venues mm -hmm. that I really enjoyed. The third day where I started the race and my legs hurt upon one minute of <laughs> racing was one of those things where it's like, wow, I've never felt that before. That's not super fun. Yeah. <laughs> but if you know what you're expecting, then perhaps it wouldn't be so bad. <laughs> it's cool because it does add another layer of sort of, um, you know, a race within the race in a way in that, you yeah. know, um, we had a, uh, so my, my boss at the time, uh, Kimo Seymour has done, I think he's mm -hmm. like 13 years now under eight hours at Leadville. And wow. so just a phenom. And then we had another guy working with us. His name was Kevin. I won't mention his last name, but um, he, I think he, he either beat him on the first day or came really close and was sort of, you know, doing a little chest thumping and, and chemo was just kind of like, yeah, I'll, I'll see you in two days. <laughs> <laughs> These things are long. Yeah. So it is, I mean, you have to, I mean, if that's your goal is I just want to win one stage. Okay, fine. That's, that's one way to look at it. But if you're, you know, if you're trying to figure out strategically, how to keep your body together for three days of hard racing. Um, Kelly, some tells me you're up to the challenge. Yeah, I know. I'm saying that I don't want to do it, but even my coach, if he's listening to this, uh, you know, he'll be, he'll be like, Kelly, Hilarious. <laughs> you can do it. <laughs> you don't want to cause it's hard, but it's hard, yeah. but it's fun. It'll be fun. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. It is interesting. Just the, I, I never get butterflies or anything on a, on a running race, I guess. 
I don't know why, but any, uh, like even for swim workouts, but certainly bike racing, um, I just know the level of pain uh, that is <laughs> that is going to be flooding my body. Like I just, I, I do. I'd like, I, I, I have that. We, we call it, it's come up on most shows, this reignition moment where you spend the whole race just lamenting ever registering for that race <laughs> and wondering what psychosis you were in when you registered. Um, but then like you cross that finish line, whether it's a second before you hit the finish line or a second after or a week after you have that reignition of that flame that starts burning brighter. And you're like, all right, when's my, when's that next right. event? You know, yep. happens Absolutely. every single time. It has never not happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, how long are your bike events? Like, I think you might be doing too short, so they're too hard. Yeah. Cyclocross, what, 40, 40 ish minutes yeah. or so. So that's like, this full- is a sprint. Yeah. Anaerobic for 40. Yeah. If you do a gravel event and you can coast those descents for a while, because mm-hmm. what's the rush? And yeah. Forget yeah. about that climb. I just, you know, my um I'm a I I I think it's totally self-inflicted in that I never put in enough time in the saddle. It's I always sort of default to like, okay, I have an hour. And instead of doing um a bike workout, I'll go for a run because I can get a better workout yeah. on a run type of thing. And I just need to I do need to kind of commit to, um, cause I love it. And especially as I get older and, you know, um, I sort of have this limit in my body at about 15 miles running where my hips and knees are just, you know, yeah, it's, it's kind of, so it's 15 miles of running. We're going to, we'll get you on a bike. Yeah. You're not, uh, you're not long for that. All you're right. coming. <laughs> all right. You'll be my guides. Yeah. I think you're coming to October, come to Unpaved in October. I will. Yeah. Nice long bike ride. I will. It's my birthday right. month. So it'll be, it's, it'll be mm. how I celebrate next year. Nice. Perfect. Yeah. yeah, I was I was just thinking about different race formats. I wanted to mention. I know I'm totally changing back the subject, no, it's but good. Um, I did a very very small local mountain bike race this year near near my house. It was the only mountain bike race I did all year, so I was really thrilled when they mentioned it. And um, they had it was a three lap race, and they had said it was just a traditional. You know, you start, they start the timer, three laps, you end. They had said, you know. Next time we do this race, because a small organization, we're thinking about really mixing up the format. So I figured I'd just throw in another idea for, you know, into the pot of ideas. Taking notes. They said <laughs> they were going to do it so that it was still a race, like start to finish, but you had to race every lap faster than the one before. Ooh. So not only did you, you were still aiming to win if you wanted to win, but you had to pace yourself so that lap two had to be faster than one and three had to be faster than two. It's your own and missing out. Myself, holy moly. That is, that That's is something cool. special. So anyway, there's, you know, for all uh, you race directors, there's another idea for you. That math would <laughs> blow my mind. How do you keep going? Yeah. You could apply penalties know. for penalties for like, you, you know, whatever your time differential is, it gets magnified by two on the yeah. second lap and three on the third. All the kinds of math you could possibly think of. I, I, crazy but anyway there's another format that makes it fun and it totally turns it into a a different experience entirely so it's not just a traditional race Mm. well i mean it's interesting you say that because another part of the changes that will happen is technology is you know impacting this sport so much and so that one would require someone with a supercomputer to be able to figure all those things out but (laughs) if someone doesn't have it then someone's going to have it i'm pretty sure there's someone who works at bike rides that can do that right now. Sure. Um, But so we've talked about, you know, we use segment timing and we had a 
timer. We had chips on all the bikes. We had the units out that are accurate down to a thousandth of a second because we were trying to be one of those larger gravel events. But that same format can be done off of Strava. You just send everything later. So a smaller grassroots event can use the same format, drawing their Strava segments or right, GPS has the same thing. They use it for fondos and things. So I think that's also going to help with this. And so it'll help keep dangerous parts safe. Like we have this one corner, Kelly, you know it, because but maybe you don't, because I don't think you've crashed on it. But I haven't. every year, the first two years, people crash. The leaders always crashed on it because they're crushing the climb. And then they get their first fast descent. They get excited and they overcook this right-hander and go into the trees. Mm. And there's an ambulance that's sent there. <laughs> um, this year, we had no crash. No crash required medical attention. We had two Band-Aids put on for the entire day by medical professionals. It's nice. amazing because we turned that segment off. Mm. And that will help keep things safe. We didn't have to do road closures because the roads weren't part of the time segments. Yeah. So now everyone can stop at stop signs and traffic. Like there are no traffic lights on our course. Everyone can stop at any <laughs> stop signs. And there's no worry about that. Now that's parts taken off. And Lucky so the 120 sense. miles, we had 30 miles of time segments that were in the quiet spots and relatively it just brings a safety factor up a notch and anyone can do that now with technology yeah absolutely we we had a race and i don't know if it was national or if it was just in arizona at the time but it was um and then i think lifetime might have actually bought this it was the same group of folks that um that were acquired in with red rock but it was the skirt chaser race and Mm -hmm. it was a it was a run it was either a five or a 10k and the women the women got a head start um, and then it was, it was, ba- I don't remember exactly how they did the math and stuff, but it was, it was basically, um, just overall results essentially, because the, the, the women based on obviously gender, but then also skill level got a certain time differential where they started ahead and then the men had to, to catch up to them. I don't know if that's politically correct these days, but again, it goes back to just that, like people were just trying different things you know, eight, 10 years ago that uh, hopefully we can start to get back to a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's going to be a whole new world. So, I mean, it is a whole new world right Indeed. now. So yeah. if there's some normalcy out of it, it'll be a different normal. So we're sitting at about an hour and five minutes or so. Um, this is the time in the podcast where we normally do a 10 question dash. So we've done a Ooh. husband and wife. We've never done it from two totally different perspectives, but I'm going to throw a question out and then um, why don't we go ladies first on each? So mm-hmm. Kelly, you can throw your answer first and then we'll, we will, um, we'll go to Dave here. And so let me get my, 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 Dash question music going here. All right, you ready? Music. Indeed, we have some theme music. Oh, we're a very high production here. Extremely high production. Okay, so got to tell the truth. No fibbing, no uh, crossing your fingers. It's all pretty painless, so don't worry too much about it. All right, hands up, everybody. Okay, so Kelly, first question goes to you. Uh, Next question, two, I know the answer to this one. Two wheels or two feet? Oh, two wheels every day. Gravel, mountain, road. I guess what would be your desire at this point? Who knows what races are going to happen? I, I love a good technical mountain bike course. All right. So I'd say mountain. Okay, Dave. You can Two answer wheels. from the athlete or the race director perspective. Up to you. Um, I'll, do, right, I'll try race director perspective. Um, okay. Two wheels. Gravel. Two wheels gravel. Yeah, more than mountain. 
I love mountain bike racing. I think I just want to ride mountain bikes. I don't want to actually put on a mountain bike race again. I just want to ride mountain bikes and not think about how it changed the event. There are more band-aids involved in mountain bike racing than gravel. <laughs> I'm told. True. Yeah. <laughs> uh, winter, spring, summer, or fall, Kelly? What's your favorite racing season? Early fall, when it's still warm enough. Okay, I'll give you that one because you said the warm part. I'm a summer guy, but everybody that says fall, I think is crazy. Dave? The foliage is just too nice not Fine. to ignore. Fine. I can't disagree with Kelly on that. All right. Um, I am a natural summer, but fall in Pennsylvania is we're the undisputed champs. So. Okay. All right. You have a reason at least. Uh, <laughs> worst running or riding experience? Um, I broke my femur in the middle of a tempo run. What? That's not supposed to happen. <laughs> I was a no. freshman in college, and I was actually a runner, a, a competitive runner before I was a cyclist. And in the middle of running a tempo workout, I couldn't walk in by the end of it, and um, yeah, broke my femur. That's uh, my worst story ever. That's a whole Incredible podcast pain. in and of itself. <laughs> yes. Holy cow! <laughs> that is terrible, Dave. Um, I'll go from race director person. Perspective worst experience was the first event I ran was a Blinky junkyard cross and someone overcooked the jump and had to be hospitaled out. And when I called him like a few days later to check on his brain, cause it was, he was super concussed and he was like, I don't remember the crash. I'm like, okay. He's like, well, I'm just upset. I can't ride my bike right now. Cause it's snowing. out. It'll be fun. And, but I have these stitches in my knee. I'm like those stitches in your knee are keeping you from your head going out on a bike ride. That's a, uh, yes, I will. I but will. yet I continue to do this and I don't know why. Yeah. I'll cowbell that one. Mm. <laughs> Yikes. What uh, favorite race, Kelly? So you did oh, sea God. otter. Oh. Of course you got unpaved. <clears throat> I, I mean, I would, I would. <laughs> favorite race weekend of the past two years has been unpaved. Okay. Hands down. There yeah. we go. I'm That's not good. saying that just because Dave is on the, the uh, podcast with me. It's This is absolute truth. Okay. Good. So this should not be one I put on, right? Yeah. It can't be your own race. Can't be my own race. Single speed cyclocross world championships. Okay. Very good. Very good. Home stretch song or band on your playlist. What gets you across the finish line, Kelly? We're gonna have the same answer, although it may be a different song. Van Halen. Oh. Yep. Dreams. Oh, that's Van Hagar, technically. <laughs> At least the young men are different. I yeah, sorry. Yeah, that Van went, Halen one time had a different lead singer. His name oh, was okay. David Lee Roth. I'm just okay. <laughs> Van Hagar was Sam, Sam Hagar. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I well, I know the names generally speaking okay. because my dad was a big fan, and that's how I became a fan of Van Halen. Wow, I got nice. really old there. <laughs> All right, Dave, I'm older than you. You save us. You are, and I'm older. Save us. Uh, it's, it's still Van Halen. Okay, um, but it's earlier Van Halen. I'll go with uh, today. I'll go with Unchained. Oh, my all-time favorite song. I win. Boom. Yep, Dave wins. <laughs> Uh, that played about a thousand times a few a uh, couple months ago here when uh, some tragedy struck yeah. us and Edward Van Halen left us way too young. Um, okay, it uh, was all Van Halen, all event at Unpaved. That's oh, good. It was in my event. head too. Perfect. Dreams was playing over and over in my head the whole time. Nice. Great. Can't go wrong. Uh, yeah. Most embarrassing band or artist on your playlist? 
I do like a good in sync song every once in a while. Wow. In sync. I mean, I do sing, single speed cyclocross world championships, so I have no shame. Um, <laughs> good point. I, I, wow. They're all, they can all be so bad. What is, um, the, what does a fox say? Whoever it is, that is damned embarrassing. <laughs> it's a fun one to play when what you're drinking. The fox a oh, my kids love that loved. I won't throw them under the current bus, but when they were kids, they would play that <laughs> stupid song. <sighs> All right, uh, where am I at here? Get some booties moving now. Yeah, favorite training partner, human or animal? Uh, human. Human. Like oh, I have, to, I have to tell you who it is, or you just don't tell have you to. It's a human. You can you can go either way. We've had both ans- both types of answers. I would say, while it is very rare, my favorite training partner is my husband. Boom, perfect answer. I ride alone most most often, but when I can get him out on a bike with me, it is some of the best days. Oh, that's lovely. Nice. Dave. Well, I know that my answer has to be my wife. <laughs> <laughs> Save the uh, marriage. Convenient. It's because she's Celine Fitchick Yeager, so uh, Bicycle Magazine. So early. I don't say really COVID was great, but at least when it was just she and I riding together, I was actually getting pretty fast until she had to, was able to go ride with other people. And then remembered she was actually fast. Pulls away. I haven't seen her again since. Yeah. <clears throat> it was a fun spring when I was getting faster. <laughs> All right. Uh, living or dead, who would you most like to share a long uh, run or ride with? I will probably say ride for you guys. Living or dead, who's going to share the saddle with you? Oh, gosh. I love the theme music. It's very game show. I wish I could say running because I have Go a, for, a Running is 100%. Runner. No, running. It's more I conversational. Would, you could say I coffee love, drinking. I could share a ride with this <laughs> Knitting? person. Okay. Not, they don't need to necessarily, it doesn't have to be a run. Nope. I would love to share an exercise event with Lauren Fleshman, who is a former pro runner. Of All right. Yeah. Thanks. Well, maybe the invite has been sent out there then. We'll see. She's yeah. a big role model of mine. Cool, so that's awesome. It would be really an honor. Awesome. Wow. Dave? Uh, Samuel L. Jackson. I think that would be fun. I, I don't even know how to... I'm going to give you both the cowbell and the ding on that one. That would be a hilarious ride. Right? I can picture all, I can picture the conversation it bubbles. Not be, it would be PG-13 at the very <clears throat> least. At the very but. least, indeed. <laughs> All right, pre-race ritual or superstition? We're on question number nine. You have any superstitions? No superstitions for me. At least none that come to my my head right now. But pre-race ritual, I have the same breakfast every mm-hmm. single every single race. Which is my husband and I travel with a griddle, an electric griddle. So I have griddle will travel, and we have two fried eggs and pancakes with maple syrup and a cup of coffee in my unpaved mug. Perfect. Ooh. Bam. Every Good answer. That's right. Um, I'm a superstitious person by nature, but not a lot with events. Um, and I have none for putting on. I, I mean, I do have, and it's not visual, and I don't have it by me anyway, but I have a super special clipboard. Oh. Events. It's made out of old bike parts. It's like a... It's a derailleur. It kind of holds the paper down with a chain ring section. It's a handcrafted wow. seasonal thing. And that's my uh, clipboard for events that I don't do events without. All right. 
but more because it's cool than I'm superstitious. A little bit of both. A little bit of both. We'll let yeah. you off the hook there. Okay, final question. Dave has the advantage here because he gets to hear Kelly's answer and gets to think about it for a second. What is the secret? Ooh. I know the answer to this. Ooh. I'm not even sure what you what you mean by the secret, but I'm going to interpret it as what's the secret to uh, being a happy, successful racer okay. in my mind. That's what. Perfect. And it is building the right village around you. It does take a village, doesn't it? Yep. Dang it. And I can steal that because I was thinking as a race director, it is people. Yeah. Okay. It's the people you work with as sponsor with the sponsors, their partners, they're not sponsors. It's the participants you have and what they will do and how crazy they may or may not drive you. It's the team that you work, it's every volunteer. It is definitely that village. So Kelly's right. Again. Good answers. Good answers, all of you. <laughs> I normally get through all 10 questions in one theme music playing, and I think I had to restart it five times. So that was good. Good, thoughtful, <laughs> not just throwing out the first garbage idea that comes to your head. I, I applaud you both. Yeah, there wasn't any garbage I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. Well, any, uh, any parting thoughts or uh, advice, wishes, questions, uh, pleas to the public uh, from either of you guys? They're they're both I'll, like I'll throw one out. I'll motioning just, toward each other right now, saying yeah. you go first. <laughs> you go first. <laughs> um, I want to just thanks to every event director participant, most in, but especially the directors that I was in communications with over this last year. We talked a lot about what we could could not do. You know, the now unbound crew, the Rebecca, you know, everyone around here. It was it's a great community of gravel race directors mm -hmm. and. We could go on a political rant about some organizing body, but yada, yada, yada. I think it's going to stay individual. And I think that's great for the sport. And I think it's great for all of us and our sanity. And they've been huge helps. So if anyone has any questions, I'd love to help back. I don't say have the answers. I have what we did. And it worked for us. And where you are is different. And so it's going to be different. I've said this to the writers when I brought up our uh, refund schedule, like when you could expect a full refund by when if we have to cancel by this date. It's a half one. I said, please don't impose this on other race directors because their budgets are different and mm -hmm. you don't know what they've had to spend. You know, we're all in this different, it takes that village. So mm. thank you to everyone in the race director village. It's, we're going to be all right. Well said. I will part with something I didn't get to mention today during our discussion. And I think it's important because it is near and dear to my heart, but I want to thank the unpaved team and uh -huh. Dave for his work in making the event happen. It was the highlight of my year. I can say that with full confidence. It was the best weekend of the year. And for me, it was a really great growth experience. Doing that race in a way that I've never done before really helped me grow as an athlete and a person. Um, and the part that we didn't get to talk about was that there was a bit of a, that when we were going to go off individually in that time trial start, Dave actually had the top three women going off as the last three people to go, which is showcasing the strong women of the race. Not something that I've seen done at any other race that I've ever done. Obviously that format is probably not something that any other race yeah. really that I've been to has done. Uh, but the fact that you were willing to put the, the women 
as the the showcase moment of the start of the race meant a real lot and was really telling about your values as a race director. So thank you to you guys and to the dedication you put in. I know it's a ton of work and it was a really fantastic experience. And I can speak for, I know I can speak for everyone who participated that day. It was a fantastic day. Oh, thank you. Wow. Well, I will, I will echo the, the, um, the appreciation and thanks because for all the reasons Kelly just gave, there's, there's, um, man, it takes a special kind of person to put these events on. I don't think, I don't think athletes come to appreciate enough how difficult it is putting on events, uh, whether you're a race director, a timer, um, any of the service providers involved and how, how more than ever we, uh, appreciate their absence, uh, or appreciate them in their absence, I should say. So thanks for sticking with it and to it and putting on what sounds to be a phenomenal race. And, uh, I think you guys made some fans and you might, uh, you might have a hard time keeping it to 200 next year, but, uh, <laughs> I would rather we have as many yeah, as possible. It's, yeah. Everyone is so great. So yeah. yeah, the more the merrier for sure in this kind of event. Well, thanks for sticking to it and thanks for coming on the show and talking about it. I really appreciate it. Um, it has been absolutely phenomenal um, talking to you guys both. So uh, thank you so much. Thanks, Troy. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah this was, was a blast. Likewise. Thank you so much. And that's the show. Hope you enjoyed it. More people racing more often, having more fun in the process is our mission. And it sounds like the folks at Unpaved did their part this year. Thanks again to Dave Pryor and Kelly Catale uh, from Unpaved for coming on the show and talking a little bit about the race. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast, folks. We want to hear from you, so leave comments on our socials. We are at Athlinks across the board, or shoot us an email to podcast at athlinks.com if you have any ideas for guests or subjects or anything like that. Share it with friends far and wide. Give us a review if you dig it. And until next time, happy racing, everybody.